Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, good morning. Good to be together this morning in the house of the Lord. Today we end off our series on By My Spirit. By My Spirit. Uh, and next week we start another series, but this week we end our series in in different occasions in the book of Acts. And we've only got up to chapter 13 the last two months. Uh, and so we'll continue this at a later stage, perhaps uh, this year or next year. But um, by my spirit. A missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page it was on so she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so one day he followed her, knowing that she couldn't read or write. In the afternoon, just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed... She would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. When he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And tell him about Christ. The missionary said that 24 of the schoolboys that that lady led to the Lord became pastors. Led by my spirit. We take a look at Acts chapter 13 verses 1 to 12 this morning. The sending out of Barnabas and Paul, or his name Saul. The sending out. And there's some characteristics that we need to take note of here. Uh, as, as they're living their lives, God prepares to send two people out. And I believe that as we're living our lives, He sends you and I out. If you're not going to the ends of the earth, then He sends you to wherever you are. To your neighbor, in your workplace, at your uni, wherever it is, God sends us out. Let's have a look at the story in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 12. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in their Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man, went to Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, a sorcerer, for that is what his name means, 
opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right! Exclamation mark. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. There's some interesting lessons that you and I can learn from this. The first one is that the early church was a very effective church. And we picked that up in the first three verses. You see, they had godly leaders. And as I was preparing this, I thought to myself, wow, beware if you stand up and you teach and preach and your life is not right. And James warns us about that. Because a teacher can easily lead people off on the wrong path. Hence cults. Hence different ways of leading people astray. Because you might be eloquent and good, but you might miss the mark because you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Godly leaders. We read about it in Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles. Who's this he? God. Not everybody who says, I'm a prophet and I'm this and I'm that. It's got to be seen in their lives, in the fruit that they bear. Gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Some interesting words there. To prepare. Katartismos. To equip. Not just to equip, but to perfect People for what? For works of service. The word works to undertake, to be occupied with the things of God. The word service is where we get the English word deacon. To be able to, diakonia, to, to put into practice what God has called us to. What a privilege that is. And it is the leadership that is to prepare people for works of service. For what reason? So the body of Christ may be built up. And that word built up, ikodomi, so it can be structured properly. Uh, it's got a background of architecture behind it. And as the building gets built up, God's name gets exalted. You see, the, the church is to be edified so Jesus' name can be glorified. Edified to be built up, glorified to make the name of Jesus famous. And that's why we exist we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for others. We exist to exalt the name of Jesus. It's interesting to note, after Acts chapter 15, which we won't get to, uh, you be, or at Acts 15, there's what we call the Jerusalem Council, where they get together about a doctrinal uh, issue, and there's robust discussion, and they go away understanding one another. And friends, there's nothing wrong with understanding the Word of God well. And there, there needs to be a robust discussion because we are tapping into the things of God and we want to get it right. But you see that the church was united. 
They were united. And we read about it in, in 1 Corinthians 12, where it speaks about the different gifts. And that word gifts, the root word is grace. All the different graces that God gives to His people. The body is a unit, that passage says. Though it is made up of many parts, like the body made up of many limbs, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Again, I try to do a word study on this word one. <laughs> one, it's the Greek word is, which means one. Uh, let me look a bit deeper. One means one. There is nothing more profound about that. One is one. And so the many limbs are one body. You cannot separate the body and expect it to function properly. It is one body and each part does its part. If I were to uh, knock my thumb in the door, do not try this at home, I even start limping because, of, oh, not that bad, but you know what I mean. Because the whole body pains. I remember I had an injury to my big toe uh, in the army. And they said that they might need to amputate my big toe. And they said, well, it's, let's try not to do that because you will need to learn to walk again. That weird looking thing called the big toe on your foot, you'll need to learn to walk again. Wow, the weird part of your body that really stabilizes you to walk effectively. Friends, we need every part of the body of Christ so it can function properly. And so one body, it is with Christ. So it is with Christ, Paul says. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we we're all one given the same spirit to drink. What a privilege. It is he who fills us so we can overflow. And so we often find people who want to, to push the Spirit into you. It is God who fills us with the Spirit. And when He fills us with the Spirit, we overflow with His goodness and His love. It's interesting to note that they worshipped God. Uh, we pick it up in verse 2. They worshipped God. And that word worship, liturgiel, means they served God. I often find, uh, and I'll say this with respect... I often find that we think that worship is the couple of songs we sing before the offering and after the offering before the, the pastor preaches the sermon. That's not worship. That's praise. That's praise. The word that's used here, worship, it's part of their lifestyle. Liturgiel means my lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of worship because I've been filled with Christ. And so the, word says, uh, the Bible says in Acts 13 verse 2 that while they were worshiping God, while they were acting their works of service, while they were putting into practice what God had filled them with, in other words, not on a Sunday morning in our context uh, here necessarily that God speaks to us. No, while they were doing what God had called them to do, He spoke to them and He taught them the Word of God and He revealed Himself to them. And they were practicing, verse 3, prayer and fasting. They were coming before the Lord. They were sacrificing meals. They were coming in urgency before God. And as they came in urgency before God to understand His plan and purpose for their lives individually and as a corporate body, they listened to the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 3. They were listening to the Holy Spirit. 
And so folk, it's not only in their prayer meetings that they heard the Holy Spirit speak. It's in everyday life. Because if you think about it, we're not together too many hours a week. Sometimes only on a Sunday morning. Sometimes during the week as well. But most times only on a Sunday morning. If this is the only time we come to listen to God, then we're in trouble. But on our daily walk with the Lord, liturgia, worshipping God in our lifestyles, the way we drive, the way we conduct ourselves at work, the way we conduct ourselves at home, the way we live our lives, is, it's a life of worship. And as we're doing that, God speaks if we put on our radar to listen to Him. Last week I spoke about prayer and how we come before Him in earnestness and in urgency to seek in order to find His plan and purpose. That's what they were doing. And as they did that, God spoke to them. It says in John 10, 27, Jesus saying, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that word uh, listen has got to do with uh, they listen for God to direct their lives. They listened uh, as if they were in line with the will and plan and purpose of God. It's a beautiful picture there. Uh, Rob Bell, uh, one of the theologians uh, and preachers, says that as they were following Christ and listening to, his, to the Holy Spirit speak, or listening to Christ speak, they were caked in His dust. Isn't that beautiful? As they walked behind Him and put their feet in His footsteps, as He pushed back dust, they were caked in His dust. So when people looked at them, they knew exactly who was their rabbi, who was their teacher. Why? Because they were in line with the things of God. And that's so beautiful. As we line ourselves up with the things of God, we're caked by the Holy Spirit to follow the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? We know His voice. And then it says that they obeyed the Holy Spirit. They obeyed the Holy Spirit because they sent Barnabas and Saul away. And that's what the church was to do. We read about it in Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. We don't do our own thing. We're accountable to one another. And so as we line up with the things of God, so we move on. And so God doesn't speak in isolation, might I add. He speaks in community. Why? Because He is communion. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as he speaks to us, so we obey what he says. The second point there, the first people sent out were obedient to the Holy Spirit. They were obedient to the Holy Spirit. We read about it in verses 4 and 5. Folk, we know that the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, is to go and make disciples. We know that. And so as we obey the Holy Spirit, uh, it's interesting to note that it's not... Go and make disciples. That Greek word there, porevome, means that while you are going, while you're going, make disciples of all nations. While you are experiencing life is what that word means. While you're traveling, while you're living a life of worship to God, make disciples of all nations. And so we read in verse 4 that they were sent by a group of people. They were sent by the archbishop. 
They were sent by the prime minister. No, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And there was unity among everybody that Barnabas and Saul needed to be sent out. They were dispatched, as it were. They were sent away. And they were willing to go. Now, friends, it's easy to say, Lord, here am I, but send him. No. There was congruency, what the Holy Spirit said to all. To those who were sending them out and to those two who were being sent out. That's how the Holy Spirit works. One body. And God speaks to that one body. So they were sent out. What were they doing as they were sent out? Well, they went and did their own thing. No. Verse 5 says they were proclaiming the word of God. They were chit-chatting the gospel, if you like. As they went into Cyprus, they announced and they declared the good news. They made the good news known to those people on the island of Cyprus. As they went about, they shared the good news to those they came into contact with. Have you heard about this man? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so they were obedient to the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the word of God. Not their own agenda. The word of God. Thirdly, those that were sent out were aware of opposition and deception. We read about it in verses 6 to 12. They encountered opposition. They encountered a sorcerer. The Greek word for sorcerer there is the word magos, where we get the English word magic or magician. They encountered a magician. And guess what? This magician never said, welcome to our island. So good to have you here. No, he was there to deceive. And the devil uses people, magicians if you like, wolves or sheep with wolves clothing. The other way around. <laughs> wolves with sheep's clothing. Just testing to see who is... You know. Using people of influence to try and deceive. Who was this guy, this uh, by Jesus? Well, he was the best mate of the second in charge uh, of the island of Cyprus. And so uh, Sergius Paulus was second in charge. And the sorcerer by Jesus was his mate. And so he uses people of influence in verse 7, uh, we read, to try and Create consternation and opposition. You see, he was there to deceive. And the devil tries to do that and tries to do that well. And it says in verse 8 that, that by Jesus tried to turn Sergius away from uh, the faith. And that word turn away is, is almost like uh, the word vomit, if you like. The astrefo. It's, it's as if Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel to to uh, Sergius, and it was going down, it was going down, if you like that metaphor or not, it was going down, but this guy by Jesus, the sorcerer, was trying to get the word out again. He was trying to deceive Sergius and say, no, this is not good. He was trying to uh, deceive and turn aside this man to say, no, what he's doing is not good. What he's doing is not good. He was trying to pervert that word means and corrupt the truth 
in what Paul and Barnabas were saying. And the devil can do that quite easily with deception. God touches somebody that night. You think, oh, I wonder if it's really true. I want to take action. I want to do what God calls me to do. And the devil comes to tell lies. The devil comes to deceive. The devil comes and uses who we think are good people. But they are wolves with sheep's clothing. And they try and lead us astray. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen, Watch out for false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look good. But deep down inside, they are ferocious wolves. The word, watch out, prosejo, take heed, pay attention, beware. How do we know something is false? Because we know what is right. How do we know what is truth? Here it is. How do we know what is error? Because we know the truth. And that's important to understand. So why was this guy doing that? Why was this uh, by Jesus trying to lead Sergius astray? Well, for selfish ambition. We read about it in verse 9. He was full of deception, mischief, and unrighteousness. That's what that word means. He tried to lead astray for his own ambition, for his own selfishness, for unrighteousness' sake. Folk, I don't know about you, but many times when we even stand in the presence of others, we make them feel bad. Not because we're good, but the Holy Spirit convicts people and they feel bad. They feel bad. And that's the Holy Spirit within us. You see, when Paul walked around on Mars Hill, he saw these people and he said, I see you. you You've got idols for everything. In fact, one of your poets says, In Him we live and move and have our being. And Paul had to say, In Jesus we live and move and have our existence, our being. We're centered in Christ. Those two letters in are so, so important. And Paul wants us to understand that. These guys that were sent out, were engaged in spiritual warfare. You see, Paul, it says, was filled, bleaty. He was overflowing with what? The Holy Spirit. And I'm amazed at what he did, especially after what he had done to, to the poor Christians in the beginning. He went and like the Bible says that he sniffed them out like a security dog after a trail. He sniffed Christians out to kill them. Got this picture of, of Paul with his nose to the ground going, oh, I found a trail, let me go and find this Christian to, to kill them, to persecute. And that's what was happening here. And so he goes, but how does he confront? In a very gentle way. Paul presented the truth. He presented the right way. And folk, the right way is what sets people free. John 8.32, it's the, the truth that sets people free. And the right way was the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's rooted in the Word of God. We know that we're on a spiritual battle. We know that. Folk, if you're minding your own business, the devil will leave you alone. Because you're not harassing him. You're not, you've got nothing to do with his kingdom. But when you are kicking goals for the kingdom of God... Listen, 
He's going to come and harass you. It says in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so Christ within us and the Holy Spirit within us is way greater than what is out there. And we're there to katheresis. To cleanse, if you like. The word cathartic comes from that word. To, to destruct and, and pull down that which is bad. You see, as Christ comes to architecture to build up, junk needs to go. Those things in our lives, maybe those hidden rooms, need to go out the window. Because there is a spiritual battle going on. And that battle ends the day we die. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Folks, as you look, what happens with the word of God, it's so powerful. It's so, so powerful. Hebrews 4.12, I'm so encouraged by this verse. For the word of God is living and active. It's not dead. It's not dead. It's very alive. Read it. You'll know how alive it is. It penetrates. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That word penetrates, it goes right through and reaches the area that needs to be touched. When you need an operation, they don't just cut the first layer, they cut until they reach what needs to be touched and cleansed. And that's what that word means. It penetrates, it pierces, it goes right through. Folk, if there's anything that's going to help, it's the word of God. They could have come with beautiful, eloquent, eloquent words, which Paul would have been able to use quite well. He was a, a well-qualified man in the Old Testament, but when Christ touches him, he goes and he says, I don't speak with eloquent words, but I speak with the power of God. And so as we go out, we are not the Holy Spirit. But as we use the word of God, the Holy Spirit penetrates people's hearts and so convicts them. And sadly, we read about in verse 11, God judged the enemy with blindness. I'm going to sound quite cynical here. But anybody who comes against a Christian or the Word of God is going to come off second best. They're going to come off second best. And others will see it and will believe. And we read about it uh, in that next point there, uh, that there was much success as they went around after that. There was much success. Look, those are all the occasions that we find uh, in the book of Acts where as the word went out, there was victory. But don't be deceived by uh, thinking that it's all going to be great. There is opposition that will come. Those who will come and try and deceive and lead astray. But the word of God is powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates, and there is great victory, and God gets the glory from all of these occasions. So... The deputy believed because of what he saw. And as we go out and we get sent out 
in our streets, in our homes, to our neighbors, in our work situations, in our own families. We pray that God will have his reign. I'm end off by reading a story about David Livingston. He was a Scottish missionary and explorer who spent 30 years in the heart of Africa. He endured much suffering as he labored to spread the gospel and open the continent to missionaries. He once remarked the following, People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice, he says. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. Wow. If we put things into perspective, what a privilege we have of going to tell others our story, a story of who Jesus Christ is, a story of his glory. What a privilege. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.